0: Dublin's Talking Sport. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Uh, We're delighted now to... uh... Say good morning to Mark O'Shea, and this is with thanks to Sports Endorse. Uh, Mark, of course, a five time All Ireland winner with Kerry. Uh, good morning, Mark. Morning, John. How are things? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, I was thinking of you last night. If <laughs> I think that's weird, because you're retired, and I was watching the late late with Johnny Sexton, and I was watching uh, Ryan Tuberty asking about uh, the, the the cliff edge of what happens after you've been, you know, full on in sport and retiring, and has he thought about what he's going to do? And I know you're a slightly different situation because you're a school teacher, but you had an amazing career with Kerry, and. You know, I I just wanted your thoughts on directly after you retired. How difficult, you know, were you able to adjust to not playing football on on a full time basis? Because that's basically what you do.
0: Well, I tell you, it is something that is difficult for players, particularly GA players. I think because you know it's you go from being so consumed with football and training and all of that, and then you go. Into uh, just not being involved, so there is a vacuum or you know a void that you have to fill. And I was lucky in a way because I got involved in my, with my club straight after, and I was um, a player manager. So for, for me, you know, it made that transition that bit easier. But um, there's no doubt that it's so it's really hard when you go from being uh, an intercounty footballer and training Tuesday. Thursday game at the weekend and also tr- uh, doing gym sessions on a Monday and Wednesday, and that's with the the group. So like six out of seven days, y- you're you're with uh, your teammates. So uh, again, like you know, a lot of things suffer in those situations, family life and all of that. But um, so you know, from another point of view, it was great that I was I, I was spending more time at home and uh, and all of that.
1: But you got re- reintroduced to your family, was it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it like in a way it was, but I mean, you kind of you see what you're missing out on as well from a family point of view. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's there's a lot there. You know, and uh, but look, I mean, for me the time was right. It was we we had kids and and all of that, and um, but so it, it it was like. Uh, I found that, you know, I was able to go off and play. Uh,
1: how long, uh, Mark, how long did it take you to get back into a, a, a routine that you, you know, that you didn't feel like a fish out of water? But, you know, were you talking about a year, year and I a half? It
0: took me probably the bones of a year. I remember one night we were going training, and we were training in the Tech Park in Chile and uh, myself and Ellen, we were we were actually just driving to Dunn's Doors, and I saw the lads getting out of their cars going training as we passed by and that, that actually hit me hard believe it or not because I said wow they're the lads they're, they're gone off training but it took me the bones of a year and I think what made the transition easier then as well was when players that I played with they retired
1: yes
0: um, now I think you look at the team and I admit it might be only one or two or three players from the team that I played with so you're watching the the, the team play now and it's just you're just a normal supporter because I suppose those players that you made that link with are gone. They've passed on uh, from the team and they're, they're now supporters just like myself.
1: So you you, you made uh, the, 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 the transition, but, but during your playing years you, you, you had some amazing games and I suppose the, the, the big rivalry, certainly in your time, I'm guessing would have been with Dublin as well, would it?
0: Yeah, like I suppose when you break up my career, you know i suppose with the dublin situation you look at it from two two sides initially you know from from the early days up until around when dublin made the breakthrough 2011 you know Kerry were on top uh, and we came up against them i think on three occasions 04 07 09 and we had good victories against them on those occasions yes. and then afterwards he obviously, won the All Ireland in
1: 2011 against us. Was it, was it your brother that handed the ball to Cluxton? tonight? Was that? Can I, was, I? Yeah, Moss <laughs> handed
0: the
1: ball to him. <laughs> was, he, was he trying to be helpful or put him off? Well, no, that was after the game. Oh, sorry, yeah, I beg your pardon. I meant He gave, to, he <laughs> gave him the ball after
0: the game because, you know, I suppose Clux was the fellow who kicked that incredible point and yeah. the pressure that was on him, you know. And um, look, at that time, Obviously, we wanted to win the All Ireland, and I think if we had done, we probably would have pushed back the, the 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 Dublin winning what they had done and what they achieved. But you you can't begrudge Dublin either, and I'm, I'm good friends with a, a Dublin uh, player at the, on, the, on that game, Alan Brogan, and we often chat about it. And, you know, and I often say that like you know we were going down the stretch, four or five pints up, and we should have f- seed off, finished off the game, and Alan t- tells me like you know they came after us and they went for it and they smelt it yeah. and you know you have to respect that as well. So Dublin were certainly um, full value for their money um, on that day and you know they they obviously went on then and they won again in thirteen and we came back in fourteen and won it again and they they went on then on that incredible run for six in a row.
1: And during that six in a row, Mark, there was all this talk about Dublin should be broken up into two and north side and south side. I, n- I never heard that talk when Kerry were dominating or I never heard that talk when Kilkenny and the Hurling were dominating. It was only because Dublin, because it's obviously the, the big population. But I mean, um, what um had had you thought about that or did you think that Dublin should have been broken up? or What, what was your well, thoughts? It's on?
0: interesting you say that because you you say that, you never heard that from Kerry were dominating or any of that and the reality is you'd never hear that from Kerry people in general anyway. Uh, I think, you know, there were some people that voiced their concerns that Dublin should be broken up but that was something that Kerry people never said. We, mm-hmm. you know, we always felt that when we won all Ireland, we won them on merit. When Dublin won All-Irelands, they won it on merit. Dublin have a great tradition, great uh, club teams in Dublin. You can see that even now with Kilmacud winning in All-Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, you look back and you look at the the, the Saint Vincent's, the you know, the, there's just fantastic belly uh, bodens in Saint Enders um, You know, the, the teams in in Dublin Do- who who recently been very yes. successful as well. So there's fantastic club teams in in Dublin, yes. and I think there's great structure in Dublin as well with the with the the, the, the club teams, and that's the same in Kerry as well. Yeah. And for me, you're going to have a conveyor belt of just fantastic footballers that come through at a given time and that's what's happened in Dublin you know and it's the same
1: uh, Mark it's the same including yourself and I include you in this uh, of the, the the great Kerry players When you, when you think about it you know whether it be from the early days of Mick O'Connell through to you know Jack O'Shea's and the Pat Spillans and the Gooches, and now we have David Clifford and I'm talking about yourself and your brothers and of course your uncle the the great late Paddy O'Shea carry uh, incredible players have you ever if there was ever this kind of um, competition to say you know I, I'll ask you who do you think not the best Kerry player of all time because it's very difficult you know the top three Kerry legends who who would you have in your mind who would come to your mind if I said the, the top three Kerry legends it's
0: uh, a tough one um, I, I, look first of all I always felt that you know in Kerry we were so lucky that we were able to replace legends and by that I mean you know you mentioned yourself Mick O'Connell and uh, he retired and they, they, they said he was the greatest player that ever played uh, I never saw him playing except for videos but you know, Kerry replaced him with Jack O'Shea. and Jack O'Shea retired then, and obviously he gave huge service to Kerry, and again, Jack O'Shea wasn't going to be replaced. and My brother Dara came along, and he was incredible there in the middle of the field for 16, 15, 16 years. So with all these great players, and again, you talk about corner forwards, you look at Mikey Sheehy, an, uh, an absolute legend. He retired. Were we going to replace him? Morris Fitzgerald came along. Or we're gonna replace him no Gooch comes along, and then Gooch retires, and David Clifford comes along, so you know these players you're never going to replace the 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 talent, but like that that the they but you always have somebody else coming along, so mm-hmm. you're just basically borrowing the jersey for a while um to answer your question the the, the three best that I've seen. When I grew up watching the Kerry team, I thought Pat Spillane was just an incredible footballer. Um, whenever he took, or whenever he played, Kerry seemed to take. Um, he he'd be my first fella. number two. I think the most, the best player that I played with was Seamus Minehead, had none. Yes, um, I think he's the most underrated player. You know, you talk about players that could play in any position. You could put Seamus Minehead in, in any position. And, uh, you know, he was a phenomenal talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just incredible. And I suppose the third fella I, I go with would be my brother, Nara. I just yes. thought that whenever he played well, we always played well. You know, he was he was so, um, you know, in the middle of the field. Influential was, would be the word that I would use yes. with him. Um, you know, so they'd be the three fellas that I would probably look at. Uh, at the moment, you've got David Clifford, who's really... You know, he's he's the he's the man. You know, he's yes. Only 24, and already he's four All Stars. He's Footballer of the Year. He's won his first All Ireland. <clears throat> he's certainly going the right path. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think that it's too early to be, you know, putting the pressure on him to to say that he's the best player we've seen. Of course, a lot of people are saying that, but
1: we'll you know, have to wait a while. I was just thinking I was just thinking Mark because I remember standing on Hill 16 uh, Dublin Kerry and Pats Dolan playing and the one thing <laughs> as a Dublin supporter it was very annoying he wouldn't even have to look at the goal we were on Hill 16, he'd be his back turned and he just kicked the ball and you say is that going to go over and of course it would and I just thought for me yeah, Uh, Pat Spillan, incredible player, and Jack O'Shea, uh, another incredible player, and and of course yourself, I mean I've seen you play many times, and uh, you know, so you you should be in, uh, if we make make it a top 10, you'll definitely be in there for sure, but I want to talk about Kerry now, Uh, today's Kerry, they're in great shape, they're all Ireland champions, Uh, Obviously, uh, will They're playing. Is it tomorrow night? They're playing Mayo, yet, or is it tonight? Uh, tonight, tonight. Yeah, sorry. Tomorrow, tomorrow Sunday. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, uh, they're playing Kerry. So, our Mayo. Uh, uh, how do you see that going? Uh, you, do
0: you know what? Kerry played Mayo three times last year. They, they played them in the league. They played them in the league final, and they played them in the All Ireland quarter final. They won all three games. They beat. Uh, Mayo in the championship, one eighteen to thirteen points last year, um, and the national league final, they destroyed them. The closest mm-hmm. game was the the league game, and I think that league is completely different to championship in far as That you know, teams seem to be on a level playing field. This yes. game, like to say the 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 fixture of this game last year was in truly awful Stack Park. Kerry only won by a point, very lucky to do so. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be something similar. Um, tonight I, obviously the talk is that David Clifford and Shawnee O'Shea are on the Kerry panel for the weekend and that that that's going to be a huge boost to Kerry but I think that Kevin McStay is going to look at this game he's going to from a Mayo point of view he's really going to target this game yes. anytime I've ever gone up to McHale Park in, in Mayo they've always been really difficult games to win the, the Mayo supporters I think they're the best supporters in the country they've you go up the, the stand is always covered and I'm talking about 12,000 supporters incredible support so I think from a Kerry point of view there's nothing easy ever got gotten up there um, regardless if we've if David Clifford and obviously paulie Clifford uh, was introduced against Monaghan two weeks ago and Charlie O'Shea is going to be there. I still think Kerry are going to find
1: this really tough. Yeah. Well, I, I saw a bit of the, the Monaghan match, and uh, certainly Monaghan gave as good as they got. Certainly in the early stages and pushed Kerry a little bit. But um, I, I know it's uh, Kerry won in the end. So um, I, I suspect that uh, a lot of teams will do that. And, and just because we're, we're getting a little short on time um, to, to move forward to the championship, and you know, and here I am saying. That you know, I, I suspect Kerry will definitely get out of Munster. Uh, and but uh, who do you see, uh, as a big threat? Uh, are we talking about Tyrone, Dublin? Are we talking about you know, uh, uh, Cork are not really in in great form at the moment, should they not?
0: They're not, no. I, I'd have huge question marks over Tyrone, I'd have huge question marks over Dummy Gall. Monaghan, like you mentioned. Uh, I think that Donegal and Monaghan are two teams that I would be expecting to go down to Division 2 because, uh, you know, just with Michael Murphy gone from Donegal, I, 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 he's such a huge loss for, for them. An incredible footballer. Um, in terms of the teams that are going to put it up to Kerry, Kerry are obviously champions, so, you know, it's such a hard thing to do to try and win back-to-back. I see Armagh being a very formidable team. I yes. see Galway, you know, the, the Kerry were... You know that game was going down the stretch in the All Ireland final last year. Galway gave as good as they got. Um, good team. Parry Joyce is building a, 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 a kind of a panel, I would say, more so than a team. Now you know players that like the Dublin famous Dublin yes. team. That when you were going down the stretch against that Dublin team, 68, 69 minutes, Dublin were able to bring on those incredible subs that would see see the game through. And I think Parry Joyce is trying to develop a panel now. Yeah. And uh, from a, for me, the big thing is, uh, you know, from a Dublin point of view. Last year, Kerry played him in the Ireland semi-final. Dublin um, were minus Conor Callahan on the day. He yeah. was he was injured. Now he's going to be back. And also then, you've got Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion. So for me, that's an incredible... It, it's like in the, in the Premiership in England, yes. signing three of the best players in the league. Yes. And I watched Paul Mannion in the, in the club final he looked a bit rusty but you know you have to understand he, he was out of football for a good few months so to get those there's no doubt when he gets back he'll hit the ground running okay. three incredible players that have tortured carried down through the years so when these fellas come back there's no doubt about it but uh, Dublin will be the, the, the team to be well we
1: we, we look forward to that Mark it's time for football we're joined on the line by Alan Corley of Corley's Call podcast good morning Alan
2: Good morning, Joe. How are you?
1: I'm great. Um, I want to start this morning, uh, by the way, with uh, we're going to talk League of Ireland. But I want to start with uh, Kerry FC. They made their debut last night against Cove Ramblers. And uh, I think it's a, a great sign for League of Ireland football. I know it wasn't a great uh, vict- or wasn't a great start uh, victory wise and they lost 2-0, but it was great to see it happening, wasn't it, Alan?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Um, we want as many kind of new additions into the league as possible. And there's been talk of this over the last kind of few years, a representative from Curry um, adding themselves to the league. And obviously it came to fruition in the off-season there. And I know Billy Denny, Denny, he was heavily involved, a former player, and he played with Shamrock Overs as well. So the first game was last night. and They were at home to Cove Ramblers. Unfortunately, as you say, they lost the game 2-0. But it's brilliant to see Uh, new clubs coming on board because we want as much of a geographical spread as possible around the country and to have Kerry on board now a team representing that area of the country I think it's fabulous
1: and do you know what I, thought, I loved about it because uh, I was reading reports and looking at various photographs it was a full house and uh, I thought it was significant David Clifford of course the yeah. GAA star was at the match last night photographed and he'll be in action for Kerry uh, this evening uh, but it's great to see that um, you know the, that soccer in, in the heartland of GAA is beginning to take off Yeah absolutely going, and even I know from my own experience even junior football in Kerry is very very big as well
2: so um, even though it is very much a GAA stronghold in terms of the, the football side of things, Gaelic football, there's also a big, strong um, cohort of the county that are, are mad for the soccer as well. and Obviously, that's uh, clear to be seen when you see last night the turnout from the fans and the people involved. So Junior football has been very strong in Kerry, but now we have National League representatives. So it's absolutely brilliant. If you say Clipper, I know he's an unbelievable Gaelic player, but apparently he was a very good soccer player as well. And, Joe and um, we could probably deal with him at the moment as well <laughs> soccer <laughs> yeah. for them as yeah. well as Gaelic but well, he was in attendance last night and it's great to see because with the profile that David Clifford has as well if he is going to the games and representing him and obviously young lads in Kerry and young girls as well see him going to the soccer matches they might decide to maybe go and support the soccer and the GAA which would be brilliant
1: now, I know a lot of people have been really excited now for the uh, Premier League or Premier Division because uh, Rovers are hoping to go for four in a row. We have Derry City who are hoping to throw a spanner in the works. We have all sorts of new exciting signings that you'll know all about. And uh, we, I, I, we'll kick off actually with uh, Cork City. They were at home to Bose. You were at that match. And uh, how did that go, Alan?
2: Yeah, I'm still down in Cork here, Joe. We were obviously working at the game last night and uh, it was live on the RT cameras. And It was a really good game. There was a lot of fight, a lot of expectation pre-season with Cork City being back in the Premier Division, which again, I'm speaking about new additions, but now we have Cork City who have obviously been a, a mainstay of the League of Ireland for so long, but they were relegated two seasons ago and spent two years in the First Division, but they're back in the Premier Division, John. It's brilliant to have them back because they're a massive, massive club, Cork City, as you know. There was 6,500 at the match last night in the lovely venue in Turner's Cross. Unfortunately for them, a bit like Kerry, the result didn't go their way. And I suppose it was a bit of a rude awakening in terms of them being back to the Premier Division because for the first hour, they just looked like a lot of young, inexperienced lads who just weren't up for the occasion and probably caught them on the hop a little bit. But in saying that, Bohemians were very, very good. They ran out 2-1 winners. They made hard work of it in the last 15-20 minutes by giving a sloppy goal away, James Calvert, but they managed to hang on. But the 2-1 probably doesn't reflect how the game was. Bohemians were much more the dominant team, Mm -hmm. uh, the stronger team, and they probably should have won it a lot easier than what the scoreline reflects. But it was a good opening night. Cork City will learn plenty from it. Uh, Hopefully all the fans that came out had a good night and they'll return. Because it's one thing to get 6,500 on the opening night, but you want to try it hold on to as many as those fans as possible yes. and even if they held on to three, 4,000 every week it would be brilliant and they're very well supported Cork a lot depends sometimes on how a team is going in the league but mm. hopefully as I say a lot of those fans can return because it's brilliant to have Cork City back at the, the Premier Division.
1: Yes they're pretty loyal Now UCD got a good away draw against Dundalk. Doc uh, what did you make of that?
2: Yeah it was a great draw and um, UCD are obviously everybody's favourite to be relegated but they surprised everybody last year by staying up And who's to say they can't do it this year? Obviously, they're they're up against it, as we all know, in terms of the resources they'll be facing against every week compared to what they have. But the one thing they have and they've always had is is an energy and a hunger and a desire for young lads to want to do well. And that'll be the case again this year with Andy Myler. And to go to Oriel Park on the opening night to go goal behind and still fight their way back and get a draw... A uh, very, very positive result for them.
1: Yeah, and Shelburne with, uh, under Damien Duff, he brought got them to the FAI Cup final and there would be, I suppose, expectations that they'll do a little better than they did uh, in the league, maybe just move up a few positions. So uh, uh, they may have been a little disappointed with their home draw against Drogheda.
2: Yeah, you're 100% right, Joe. They will be disappointed with that because just like UCD, everybody has tipped Drogheda to go down as well. Now, Drogheda did very well last year uh, considering the resources they're working off as well. And this year, unfortunately for them, the resources were hit again and they've been cut, the budget has been cut a little bit more. So uh, they're faced an uphill task to try and stay in the Premier Division. But they got off to a brilliant start going away to Talka Park, a place where you would fancy Shelburne to get the victory, but they picked up the point rod. And as you say, Damon Duff would have been looking at that. Kickstart the season, hit the ground, run, and get three points. But he'd be disappointed with only a point against Rod, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, and there was great excitement the clash between Pats and Derry. Uh, uh, thousands of uh, Derry fans travelled for the match as well, and it looked like the wrong course uh, to for the victory. And then P- uh, Pats snatched an equaliser. So, uh, certainly the cat among the pigeons. But Pats looking good last night.
2: Yeah, it sounded like a good game, that George As I say, Derry, we all are hoping that we'll put up uh, some sort of a challenge. Well, a good challenge to Shamrock Rovers and some people are tipping them to win the league, but I definitely think we'll have a much more competitive title race than we've had last year. Uh, Shamrock Rovers ran out winners by 13 points and it was comfortable for a long, long period. Derry did put it up to them a little bit towards the end, but then Shamrock Rovers pulled away. Um, but we're hoping for a stronger challenge again from Derry this year and I think we'll get that. But they'll be disappointed to concede in the last minute. Now, Cass, as you say... Um, are a good team under Tim Clancy done quite well I think they'll be strong this year as well so no shame in a point away from home from St Pats but probably just in the manner of the concession of the goal late in the day that's what the, would disappoint Rory Higgins
1: Yeah and didn't Pats make a couple of signings or did I read was it one of the guys came over from the MLS was that for Pats uh, Yeah Jake
2: all. Yeah. Yeah. a lot of the clubs have made some good signings some good young players to look out for as well Joe attendances are up all over the country you would have seen that obviously and read about it this morning uh, season tickets are up in clubs all over the country as well so there's a lot of positivity about the league and I'd say even though it's just the opening night hopefully that can kick on and, and, and stay for the course of the season
1: And of course Rovers are playing the other Rovers tonight uh, Shamrock Rovers against Sligo Rovers uh, you would expect a win for Shamrock Rovers but who knows?
2: Yeah you would and Shamrock Rovers are the favourites again to win the league and they're the ones that are set the standards they're going for four in a row they have a brilliant team, brilliant squad um, Sligo Rovers themselves have lost a couple of key players in the off-season namely Aidan Keena, Paddy Kirk um, Shane Blaney has left Adam McDonald so they've lost four or five key players that was part of their team not only their squad, part of their team year. so it would be interesting to see how to replace them because they won't be easily replaced and it might be a tougher season for Sligo Rovers so you probably would expect Shamrock Rovers to go down there but it'll be a hostile atmosphere there's a big rivalry between the not only the clubs both set the fans as well so it'd be a good atmosphere in the showgrounds tonight it's to a sellout um, yeah. but you would fancy Shamrock Rovers they should have the better team
1: and that, and that's what's been as you say so encouraging a sellout last night for the Pats match a sellout for even the division one match against Kerry against Cove sellout for most of the matches now uh, so there's great excitement and the, the fan base and it seems to be building uh, for League of Ireland which is very very positive
2: yeah 100% Joe across the board you can see that it's not just one or two clubs um, it's all the clubs really, uh, and I suppose they're increasing their exposure on social media and all that kind of stuff as well. So um, I suppose the league has been exposed to a whole new audience as well, a younger audience when you look at it. like Even you go to the games, and obviously we were in Cork last night, who'd always have a massive support base with so many kids at the match and so many uh, families going to games now, which is great to see. So it's opening up to a whole new audience. And we're trying to increase the attendance, increase the crowds all the time that's been done at the moment the only problem with it now Joe is in some grounds the facilities and, and, and the capacity of a lot of the stadiums is restricting the clubs and holding them back you mm-hmm. look at Bohemians who I think have sold 3,000 season tickets they would sell 5,000 if they had the grounds to cater for nice. and unfortunately the refurbishment to Daily Mount which has been done but it's just holding them up at the moment and that's restricting a lot of clubs as well But which is a positive thing and when would we have thought that would have been an argument that we're turning people away and and that we want people, more people into the ground as well because the demand is there for us.
1: Well, I'm delighted because when I was growing up, everyone was kind of following English teams and, you know, they kind of looked down on League of Ireland teams. Now I was kind of uh, you know, a fly-by-night uh, Shamrock Grover supporter you know, from school and that sort of stuff, but uh, you know, it wasn't cool to follow League of Ireland teams now, but I think it is now and there's been, uh, it, it's very positive. Um, I want to go and um, talk about football across the water, but before we talk about the various matches what do you make of the, uh, one of the headlines is, shake up, this is the uh, Bid for Manchester United uh, good or bad do you think?
2: I don't think it's good Joe to be honest with you you look at all the top clubs in England now being, being run by states effectively and I don't think that's good for football and if Man United one of the biggest clubs in the world now are being t- taken over by another Saudi state uh, I just don't know where the game is going in terms of regulation uh, the money that's been spent as well you look at the money that was spent in January it's crazy money Joe and there has to be a stop put to this at some point because they're pulling away uh, to a whole different level to other clubs and just not giving anyone else a chance. And, and not just the top clubs in the Premier League. I think the Premier League has been dragged along by that. I'm talking about the league is moving into a, a sphere where nobody can get to in terms of maybe championship clubs, League 1 clubs, League 2 clubs. The clubs we've all been familiar with when we are growing up mm-hmm. um, and, and the smaller clubs, if you like, were all, always with that dream of maybe playing in the top flight. But the Premier League is getting to a level where that aspiration is just too big and too, it's, it's more of a dream than an aspiration uh, for clubs and that's the way it's becoming and I don't think it's good for the game.
1: And of course Manchester City in all sorts of trouble uh, uh, but I, I did watch the uh, City-Arsenal match I presume you watched it yourself it was uh, uh, a, a great match and uh, Pep sort of come and go again.
2: Yeah but the, you look at Man City as well and they're a prime example Like they had very little history and heritage in, in football and obviously Years ago, they would have had great players like Franny Lee and people like that, and they would have won. Like Man United, would have always been the biggest club. But you look at Man City or the Force now because it's just pure money that's behind the job. Yeah. And out of a brilliant manager, don't get me wrong, Pep Guardiola. But the only reason Pep Guardiola is there is because of who's owning them um, in terms of the money that they have and the money that they generate. And obviously, all the players that they're able to go out and buy. So. Um, I just don't think it's good for the game. They're obviously a great team, Man City, don't get me wrong, in terms of where they're at. Now, if you look at the football side of it and and take that out of it, that uh, that money side out of it, but um, if Man United are going down that road, which it looks like they are as well, I just don't think it's good for the game. Yeah,
1: I was watching uh, the uh, the match the other night, and uh, Arteta, that's the second time I've seen him kind of interfering with players uh, where he wouldn't give the ball to De Bruyne for the throw-in, and I just thought, I I thought he was bigger than that, or, or is is that okay is that gamesmanship? from Chip I, I, what do you make of that
2: yeah he's just um, he's too intense he's too impassioned on the line and, and obviously we all love to see a bit of passion and I'm a passionate man myself Joe <laughs> but, but, <laughs> so yeah. I heard so I heard he's too much he's too much and then that filters across onto the pitch as well and I just don't think he looks like a calm presence on the line and transmitting that to his players if he's as pumped up as he is and jumping around the box the, the manager's area on the side of the pitch the way he is I think that can kind of send a wrong message out to the players as well especially in a moment where you might be losing or struggling and you want some calm heads and some reassurance you're looking at him and he's jumping around like a maniac on the line as well and that's not good
1: yeah, it was kind of surreal for me the other night. Um, I, I I only saw part of the match because I was out and about. But Man United uh, Barcelona against Man United, and uh, you're looking at that on a screen, maybe in you know in the various bars around, and it's the Europa League, and it's not the Champions League, and uh, kind of a, a strange one for both Barcelona and Man United, and uh, probably a great draw for Man United and Rashford playing well, uh, but it's strange, isn't it, when you think about it.
2: Yeah, well, two massive clubs, Joe, and with all the history and heritage of everything that you want in football. And, um, it is strange to see them, but that's where they've fallen to, both clubs, you know, and unfortunately for them, that's the level that, they, that they're playing at in Europe now, and they're trying to get back up to the elite level and the top table of the Champions League. And you look at, I suppose, the reflection of the game the other night is, is a sign that they are coming back to yes. that kind of level. Man United, I thought, played really, really well. Since Ten Hag has come in, he's been absolutely brilliant. He's doing a great job at the moment with Man United and, and as I say, trying to get them back to that top table. And Barcelona is something similar. Xavi, um, young profile of a manager, but a brilliant player that he was. And he's doing something similar to what Ten Hag is doing, obviously with Barcelona, top of La Liga as well. And they're trying to get back into that Champions League level, where they belong and where we want to see those great clubs. But it was a great game. Yeah, um, and Rashford was brilliant. He's on some form at the Ah, moment, he is. I always good. thought
1: he's a class player. He just went. He lost form for a while, but even for England, a great player as well. So I, I'm a big admirer of him. And but, he's a classy
2: individual off the pitch as uh,
1: well. Uh, exactly, individual. on and off the pitch. Now, uh, just a couple of matches today that I want to uh, focus on. One is Everton against Leeds because Sean Dyche has taken over Everton. Uh, they got a result in in this first match, but obviously. Uh, You know, I I watched the derby and they were sort of well beaten in the end. And uh, what do you reckon? Will they survive?
2: I I didn't give them a prayer under Lampard, but I do under Dyche. Uh, But I was very disappointed with the performance against Liverpool, Joe. I thought they were great against Arsenal. Um, And just the kind of Sean Dyche-type team and performance that you would expect now going forward, they were absolutely brilliant. I expected them to follow that up against Liverpool. Maybe not get the victory, but certainly give the same level of performance in terms of the aggression they showed against Arsenal and desire and energy we didn't see anything of that in fact it was Liverpool who did all that and and a good performance by them but this is the type of game with with clubs that are down around you the likes of Leeds Southampton these are the games that Sean Dyche and Everton will be targeting and have to pick up the three points yeah, and and I think they will as well to be honest with and you. I couldn't
1: believe it. Jesse March they were talking about maybe taking over Southampton it, it's kind of really strange
2: that was a strange one wasn't it the merry-go-round <laughs> um, it, <laughs> it seems it the same interest, yeah. Well, I was surprised uh, to see him lose his job Now, I have to say i was I said this to Reggie and the lad I, I I wasn't all that inspired by him when you listen to him speak and all and he talked a great game but there wasn't there wasn't a lot of substance to what was going on in terms of the result they were on a really bad run so
1: yeah. I, I actually like the way they played, that kind of exciting, I, I know they left themselves open and it was maybe a bit naive but I kind of liked it as a, as a neutral to watch because you never knew when they, they could break and score on you but uh, I, it's hard to know, uh, it looks like they could go down but we'll have to wait and see um, Just tonight, uh, 5.30 kickoff. Newcastle against Liverpool Newcastle are in a great place and they haven't made huge changes to their team, it, it, it seems to be more a psychological team because they have this safety net of huge money and other players possibly being able to be bought in the transfer thing. And Liverpool are in a very strange place.
2: Yeah, Newcastle have been brilliant. I think it's because they have a good coach and a good manager. Uh, Joe Eddie Howe's done a fantastic job. Obviously, they have the money behind them now, but they haven't spent crazy money either. I'd say that will come, to be honest. But he's building nicely there, Eddie Howe, and going very well. They're in a cup final also. They haven't capitalised on the position, though, that they've found themselves in in the last three or four weeks in the top four. I think they've drawn their last four or five games And that's a missed opportunity to try and consolidate that top four position. Liverpool, on the other hand, you just don't know what Liverpool will turn up. If it's the the great Liverpool that that we all know and have loved over the last two or three years, they'll beat Newcastle. But if it's the Liverpool that we've seen for the majority of this season, Newcastle will beat them. But I think you'd be hoping that maybe the performance against Everton as a corner turns for them. Uh, Obviously the fans Will be hoping that as well It remains to be seen I wouldn't be judging it off Just one win against everything Because I said Everton were very poor But if they were to put Maybe a run Win today And and maybe another couple Of wins on top of that Then maybe there is a corner Being turned With Liverpool And and you want to see that As well Joe Because they've been A great team over The last three, four years Cop's done a great job But they've just had Their struggles all season This year
1: yeah, so I suppose at this stage, Alan, it's a race for the line between City and Arsenal. Arsenal against uh, Villa today, I think it's a half-twelve kick-off, and uh, then the City against Forest. You would expect them both to win that, and it could possibly come down to the next clash uh, between uh, City and United as to who's going to take the league.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of football to be played yet, Joe, but it just looks a bit ominous when you see Man City sitting top of the table now. Like, everybody was loving the season for... The fact that we had new people at the top with Arsenal and having such a great year, United going well, and City kind of having their problems, but there's their problems top of the league again, Joe, so they're capable of going and winning their next 10 games in a row with the players they have. And um, But I think, man, United have a slight chance as well, depending on City. If City if City hit the, hit the heights that we know they can hit, as I said, they'll win their next 10, 12 matches, and it'll be all over and they'll pull away. Mm-hmm. But if they carry on they're in different form that we've seen over the last few weeks, Well, that gives the others a chance and that might give Man United a little squeak. They're only five points behind. They're having a great season. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect them to be anywhere near the top at the start of the year. So I think it would be a bonus if they were in the title challenge. I think their target at the start of the year was just finishing the top four and maybe win a cup. And that would be brilliant and build on that. But um, just because of the situation, to find themselves in only five points behind. They might have a little squeak.
1: It's time for GAA with Declan Drake.
3: Good morning, Declan. Thank you, Joe. Another busy weekend for Dublin GAA on the horizon with three flagship county teams on the road south in their respective National League campaigns and the commencement of the go-ahead adult football leagues in the city. We start with Hurling and last Sunday, Dublin claimed their first league win in the 2023 league campaign under new boss Micheál Donoghue. 28 points to 219 was the full time score at Parnell Park as they edged out Antrim. The victory follows up nicely on the away draw achieved against Waterford in Dungarvan the previous weekend. FINA ace Donald Burke top scored with 10 points for the Blues. Let's hear now what Dubs boss Mihal Donnew had to
4: say on the win when I spoke to him post match. I thought we did well, uh, but you know, when opportunities presented to Antrim, they got two goals, even if we contributed to it, but uh, they showed the quality that they have. And, you know, we're, we were in a very dominant position. We let them back into the game, and momentum at that stage changed. But, you know, our lads fought hard and stuck with the task to the end of the game and got the two points.
3: You would have demanded a fast start from them, and they gave you that five points
4: up after 10 minutes. Yeah, they did, and that's a testament. But, uh, you know, we were disappointed maybe with the start last weekend. and the lads were well aware of that and, you know, addressed it themselves and, and came out and started well, as he said, and, and got the few scores on the board um, and in a commanding position. But look, we've, we've played Antrim now twice and in both occasions and we knew coming into the game that it was, you know, there's very little between the two teams. They are quality. They have three years under the belt with Darren and you can see the game plan or the tactics and the way they play and the way he wants them to play is very evident and and they trust each other really well so you know there's some quality hurlers as well so there's always it's always going to be a tough game yeah. and speaking of quality
3: hurlers you have one in your ranks as well and Danny Sutcliffe it was great to see him back in action today
4: it was yeah uh, he's he's a quality hurler as you said and he's huge experience and so highly regarded in the group so it's it was really important that uh, you know he worked really hard the last couple of weeks to get to get back on the pitch and it was great seeing him on today
3: After two league games, Michal, the team is in the same position as they were this time last year. A win and a draw after the two games. You have a break now coming up from from competitive action. It's been a tough few weeks. Is that something that you would welcome now before the Tipperary game or would you rather be playing them next week?
4: No, I I think uh, collectively and every team is probably happy there's a, a two week break now where you can breathe and Assess maybe the injury session, uh, the injuries, and see where they are, and hopefully get a few more bodies back on the pitch for the next
3: game. This is my first time to speak to you as as double manager. Are you really enjoying and settling into it now? As you're
4: into the cut and thrust of the league action. Yeah, it's going okay. Glad to be back, and uh, yes, it's uh, they're a good group to work with, and looking forward to the rest of the year.
3: Thanks indeed, there to Me Hall Next up for the Dubs, a home date with Tipperary at Croke Park next Saturday. That as part of a double header with the footballers who will be taking on Clare. To this we get now, and our senior footballers are in the province of Munster for the second consecutive game. While well, last time out it was Limerick which saw them record back-to-back league wins. Tomorrow they make the trip to the newly revamped Porky Cave to face Cork for the first time since the famous Leeside side venue was transformed a few years ago. 3.45pm is the throw-in time as Desi Farrell's Chargers look to maintain their 100% start to their Division 2 campaign with some tough away games coming up in the month of March to fellow promotion rivals Derry and Meath. Switching to ladies football now and Dublin make the long trip this evening to the Kingdom of Kerry to take on last year's beaten All-Ireland finalists and current league leaders Kerry in their fourth game of the 2023 Lidl National Football League campaign. This is the third consecutive away trip for the Blues having been to Galway and most recently Cork and Mick Bowen will be looking for a third win in four starts to maintain his side's push towards a possible league final bird. The action in the kingdom initially gets underway at a quarter past five this evening. The Capital Camogie side opened their National League season today at 2 o'clock down at the MTU grounds in Cork. As tough an opener for the Blues as they could wish for on the opening day as they look to build on the relative success that they enjoyed last year. Recently, I sat down with newly appointed captain Ashling Marr of St. Vincent's and she is looking forward to the trip to Cork.
5: Yeah, 100%. Um, look, Cork are the best of the best. That's who you want to be playing. Um, obviously, there's a slightly different look on the national league this year from a Camogie perspective with the 1A and 1B league so um, in the 1A it's Cork, Kilkenny, Galway, ourselves, Tip and Clare so you know we're going to savour the opportunity to be in that upper half of the league and to be playing against the best of the best and and ultimately our priority is to, to continue to be in that 1A league and making sure that we're getting to play against the likes of Cork, Kilkenny, Galway, and the rest of them, because uh, you know, in preparation for championship, you, they're the teams you want to be playing against. Um, going down to Cork obviously makes it that little bit more, that little bit more tricky. Butcher, sure. um, we. We're playing for days like that. That's what we're looking forward to. Yeah,
3: that's going to be a big weekend in Cork because the footballers are playing in Porky Kiev the following day, the the Sunday down there. The challenge now of of twenty twenty three. We talked about the progress that was made last year. People were sitting up and taking notice again of Dublin Camogie around the country, which is which is what you want to see. But you want to be able to hopefully kick it on this year.
5: Yeah. Uh, like look last year getting to the quarter final um, was a good achievement in a lot of ways but you know ultimately at the time we would have been we would have been disappointed really to not go one step forward, further not to be hitting semifinals um, obviously Waterford went through uh, that one point ahead of us uh, after our draw against Clare and uh, won their quarter final and got into a semi um, and we, we felt that really we could have been in that position so um, the trick as you said is just not to just do it for one year you know we've had years of that in the past where we'll we'll get up with Dublin Command and then it slips again the next year. Uh, obviously it's one of the challenges like we spoke about earlier of having changeovers and management teams and stuff. um so that will be tricky to do, but I think you know we need to start building uh, as a team and as a county and um hopefully we'll be able to go out and uh, and focus on getting a couple of wins and putting ourselves in a position where we can qualify for for knockout stages.
3: Finally, Joe, as we mentioned at the start of the programme, tomorrow sees the start of the go-ahead adult football league Division 1 in the county and some great games to look forward to. All currently scheduled for 10.30, although it's best to check your own club's website and social media for any potential changes. Standout match of the day recently crowned and confirmed All-Ireland Club champions Kilmacud Croaks travelling to Ballyboden St Enders St Sylvester's meeting St Vincent's in a repeat of last year's Senior 2 Championship final Ballymun Kickham's trip across the city to take on Thomas Davis on the Kiltipper Road and Nafina also travelling to the south side to take on St Jude's Elsewhere it's Rohini vs Kula Nave Olaf vs Castle Knock and Luke and Sarsfields versus Ballantir St John's
0: Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine
1: 106.8 from myself, Ken, and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>